Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Good evening, Razorback fans. We want to welcome you to the one, the only Hog Talk podcast live from the Amigo Provisions Company Studios. We are part of the Believe and Buzz Radio Networks, where you can hear us on all podcast platforms, as well as Buzz to 106.7 in Central Arkansas. So please like, rate, and review our podcast. We also have our new YouTube channel up, so be sure to like, rate, and review that. I'm your host, Porter Hayes of Sports and Culture Arkansas, and alongside me is Jacob Davis from Arkansas Fight. And all live shows are presented by Arkansas Brewing Company in Ozark, Arkansas, as well as Bet Online, which remains your number one source for all your sports betting this season. Everything from bowl seasons, NFL, and esports. You'll always find the latest odds, team matchups, players, news, and game trends at Bet Online. We're the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite leagues and events. So head on over to betonline.ag to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure to use your promo code BLEAV to receive your awards. Bet online where the game starts. And as you noticed, we said from the Amigo Provisions Company Studios, we are proud to announce that they are our newest sponsor. Jacob, uh, just give the fans and, and listeners a little bit of information about them and, and what they have to offer when it comes to Razorback stuff. Yeah, so Amigos is a... Uh, they are an official vendor of Razorback gear. They uh, do hunting, fishing, hiking, anything that you could think of. They even have uh, deal stuff for your pets to even uh, use there. So, yeah, they're a new uh, new studio sponsor for each show. Uh, they have they have got some great stuff. I, I've got some things that are in the mail already that we've ordered. So, yeah, you check those out. There, it's Amigo Provisions A M I G O provisions.com you can see them down there at the very bottom uh in the on the ticker if you're interested they've got camo stuff hats like they have some really cool razorback gear so yeah go over there and, and check them out really proud to have them on board the hog talk podcast and as we lead off the show we um i know we got a lot of baseball basketball to to cover and and i know we usually cover this sort of thing on the monday show but uh, when you got a new queen, when it comes to all times wins, you, you, you have to lead the show with that. And, and I want to give a huge shout out to our friend Courtney Neifel on becoming the new all times wins leader at Arkansas at 245. She is now at 246 and surpassed former head coach Carrie Deaver Boaz with 244 career wins. So a big shout out to her and her accomplishments in such a short time. Uh, back-to-back SEC championships uh, tournament win. Just finished up the wrapped up the Clearwater Invitational, which we'll go over that tomorrow night on, on the weekly women's sports report with a three and two record over some very very stiff competition. So congratulations, Coach Stifel, on that. And like uh, Hunter Yurchek said, here here's to two hundred more, and uh, he's looking for some eligibility because uh, he he had his glove in that video. <laughs> that's great yeah congratulations to her uh they've got a good team and and you know they they didn't particularly have everything go their way down in clearwater florida this weekend but they came away with some uh good wins some ranked wins 
and uh, they'll they'll be one to, uh, to not to mess with come the end of the season. And and I'm really excited to see what these softball girls can do. Yeah. So I guess uh, what we can do is you know since uh, the, the baseball season kicked off, we can start off with that, and and they just kind of wrap things up with uh, the yeah in Texas. So uh, first game. You know they got to play Texas, and it, oh yeah, it, it was you love opening with you Texas. Love beating Texas three to two Absolutely. to start off. Second game didn't go so well. Uh, I mean, our, our guy Cabo said that uh, he he just has never seen really Arkansas just get throttled like that. I mean, I know there was a Alabama game a couple of years ago, and but they were able to bounce back. Well, that's exactly what they did because they played Oklahoma State. And Twinkle Toes uh, out there. Uh, what were they? Rock Reggio. Yeah. Yeah. He tried to be old, uh, Johnny Depp in the Pirates of the Caribbean yeah. and uh, 18 to 1. So you lose 18 to 6, you come back and win 18 to 1. So if your math is math and 18 and 8, lose about, lose to 18 runs and uh, score 18 runs, it kind of cancels that out. So, but anytime you can beat Texas, and then I guess with, you know, with the thing with Oklahoma State, you know, and, and beating them. They were the highest-rated team in of the three. So, I mean, baseball and softball are, are the quirkiest of sports of if your bats are hot and you're pitching, if you can get out of the starting rotation, if you can get into their bullpen and really put it on them, anything can happen. Or if your rotation comes in and you're just having the hot hand. I mean, it, it's just you're playing these three games in three days it's getting you kind of set up for, you know, your your conference season. And you want to – and that's the thing, you know, it's – that middle game's hard because you really are not trying to throw everything you got out there to really ruin up your rotations when it comes for the rest of the weekend, and then it sets you up for the next weekend. It's one of those sports that is very particular on how their rotations are set and not to mess things up with their – you know, their practice and their reps in between series. So, a good showing, two and one out there at the college baseball showdown. And, man, i tell you what, you would have thought they were playing at a daggum little league field. The way they were hitting those balls out of that major league oh, ballpark. Man. I mean, it, it's it's crazy how far those balls were going. And I can't remember that one was what, four? It had to have been 420. One old boy hit center field. And now you yeah. have this thing. That I think it was. I think it was four fifteen. Yeah, so that was still crazy, crazy yeah. power. And and just thinking about the exit velocity of these hits. I mean, they're they're getting up there one thirteen. I don't know if you've ever seen the baseball bat brothers. They take the newest bats and they'll go out to these parks and they'll swing off a tee and they'll register their exit velocities. And they were doing the black magic. Way back in the day, you know, in the 90s, those East, I guess it was, I think it was an Eastern Black Magic. But, um, I mean, those things would come off about 115, 120 miles an hour. Just stupid hot. So, you you get into the era where either they're making the balls harder, the bats harder, and then you got the drop-down bats, trying to soften the bats. Because, I mean, sometimes you get in these leagues and they're just smoking. They're coming right off mm-hmm. the barrel, 113 and Man, I wouldn't want to be a pitcher and have one roped at me in 115 miles an hour. Absolutely. Yeah, they had uh, Jared Wagner. He had a good game. He was, he oh, yeah. was uh, I think, two for four today. 
Uh, had five RBIs, and I think a, I think he had two home runs, maybe. Let's see here. But, uh, no, he had, yeah, he had a uh, home run the night before and a home run uh, today. home run today. That guy, he's stringing around uh, some good performances. Kendall Diggs. Uh, I'd really like to see, you know, our, the past couple of years, it's been all power and nothing for the Hawks. This week, weekend, we saw him, yeah, they hit with power, but they also did some really good situational hitting, especially with Brady Slavens. Like, when he's hitting Oppo Taco to the other side of the field as a lefty, I mean, it, it's basically a deflating feeling there, especially when you're Oklahoma State, because you're like, Man, just when you thought, okay, we're getting some in them here in the uh, in the fourth inning, and then Slavens just deflates you, and and that was with two outs. The fifth inning of today's win against Oklahoma State lasted nearly thirty minutes because Arkansas just kept on they kept on hitting the ball and they kept on taking walks. I mean, they were a patient team; they were getting there off uh, getting home off wild pitches. Like Arkansas was just having success; it was just their kind of day, and that's the way baseball is. Like one day it's it's seems like everything you do is unforgivable, and then the next day it's just man, these guys are hitting everything. And it seemed like Arkansas every time they got up to the plate, they were either getting a hit or getting a walk, and it seemed like nothing could go wrong with them. Yes, uh, uh, today and like it was. I mean, it wasn't an absolute bad game against TCU. It's just the pitching. It was just it was it was rough. But I mean, the Texas game, uh, you had you had. Uh, uh, Tiger come in late in the game and really, really got the save there. He was throwing some heat. You saw Hagan Smith throwing, uh, and even Kendall Rogers. He said, man, I've seen uh, Hagan Smith throw some stuff like 93, 94 mile per hour pitches that were just incredible. But he said, he's throwing some heat now. He's up to 97, 98 miles per hour consistently. And that's what you want to see from year to year. And I was really pleased with what Hagan Smith did on Friday night. I was really pleased by what Holland was able to do. And then, uh, oh, man, I'm going uh, uh, lose. I've lost his name. Forgot who uh, who came in. Uh, but, man, they uh, – to to end that game. But, man, they were pitching really well today and hitting the ball well. And that's, that's a recipe for success. And, uh, you know, you don't get that every single night. But, but to see that Arkansas is a complete team. Uh, even from one game to the next. I mean, it's it's really promising, and I think Arkansas uh, has an opportunity here to go deep. Well, and, and it show from the scores. I mean, you come out and win a close yeah. game, a battle game. Then you get blown yeah. out in the TCU game. Then you come back and you blow out Oklahoma State. I mean, that tells you what baseball does. And, and mm-hmm. look, this is a team coming on their first series losing their number one guy. How are they going to respond? So, you know – Things like the, the, the TCU games like an anomaly. You're not going to get blown out every single game. I mean, that that was just like I said. Right. That, look, but look at the very next time. You could play Oklahoma State ten more times, and more than likely you're not going to blow them out the way you did today. Same thing no. with TCU. I was – yeah. I was surprised Oklahoma State, it wasn't even a closer game than what it was. Sorry to, sorry to interrupt you, but I was surprised that it, was, it wasn't any closer – well, and, and again, that was, goes to that Sunday game. That, that right. You know, you, yes, you want to win a game, but you're looking at the long picture. I mean, this is what a, you know, this is a long season. So you don't want to kind of throw everything out there just to prove a point to beat Arkansas when you're looking at the longer picture of look, look what North Carolina State did. 
couple years back. I mean, Arkansas just took yeah. it to them. And they didn't change a see. thing because they knew that, all right, what we got on the back end, let's not throw these guys and try to win this game. Let's keep everything together and know on the back end of games two and three we can come back and win. Oklahoma State could have done yeah. the same thing because you got to look at the bigger picture of what they got looking forward ahead of them and, you know, the rest of the road of theirs. Yeah, uh, I like what Steve said. Uh, Arkansas blew a couple of double plays against TCU and it killed them. Yeah, and that's right. And, and you think about it, though, and, and I think, you know, uh, their college ball players should be missing double plays. It should be routine. This is the first, really, the first time Arkansas's had a different infield in nearly three years because you had Bob Moore and you had your Jalen Battles and you had uh, you had your uh, other guy at third base, God forgive me of uh, forgetting his name, Caden Wallace. You had essentially had those guys two or three years, and it just was repetitive for them. It was easy for them. It became just secondhand to them that, you know, whatever uh, play we made in the infield was going to become a, a, a double play every single time. And Arkansas almost did that. They did that in a couple of times against Texas where they were just making routine double plays is, is what uh, they, uh, DVH's uh, uh, teams have become known for was, was making those double plays being – uh, really good defensively in the infield. And, yeah, they made some mistakes, but they cleaned it up, especially when Oklahoma State did have the opportunities to go out there and, and Arkansas was able to clean it up. So that was really promising that they're taking uh, the the uh, what they learned from the night before and applying it to the next night. So, I mean, this, this is going to be a learning process. This is a young team, a team that hasn't been playing a lot together. Yeah, they had fall ball and stuff, but now you're getting in the meat of the schedule. Now you're trying to depend and trust your teammates uh, hoping that they do the right, uh, do what you know they're supposed to do. I mean, you've got, let me see here, all these new players. I know you have Collie, you got uh, Tavian Josenberger, you've got, uh, let's see here, Jason Jones, Parker Rowland, John Bolton. I mean, these all these guys that you're not used to. Know, I mean, you haven't been around, and they haven't been around Arkansas very much. I mean, the only the returning starters from last year was Stovall and, and Slavens and Diggs are the only guys that really look familiar, and Diggs is DH. So you're, you're having to see the uh, coming of age of these guys, even though some of them are uh, uh, very mature. A lot of them are grad transfers. But Arkansas has got a lot of growing up, and I've got, uh, got a lot of time to, to get that chemistry built up. It looks promising, especially this weekend uh, in, in Texas at uh, Global Life Field. Well, yeah, and, and again, you know, this was an early test. You, you know, when it comes to turning those double plays, yeah. I mean, that that's repetitive. That is repetitive, repetitive. I mean, that's getting timing. That's like your timing between your quarterback and your receiver, your quarterback and your running back, quarterback and your tight ends. I mean, when you're turning a double play, you're basically scoop, pitch to the second baseman, and he's throwing it. I mean, all that is repetitive. And when you're going into practice compared to game mode, it, it's different. So, it, it, especially in a game like TCU where you're getting blown out, you're getting flustered, everything is just not going your way, that's going to throw your timing off. That's, I mean, you, you, that's when you see things get out of hand. It's like in basketball. If the shots are not falling, all of a sudden a four-point margin could be an 18-point margin because you just can't get things hitting, and they are hitting everything by the time three threes go in, and then you're calling a timeout, four-point, you know, 9-0 run, you're down 13 points. So, same thing in baseball. You know, that will come with time, and especially when you have, 
you know, your, your shortstop is the – he's the – I mean, when it comes to a, your double play, you, your shortstop, John Bolton, I mean, that's a key part, key component of that double play. Either it's going to the second baseman, you're pitching it to the shortstop and he's throwing to first, or the shortstop's getting it, throwing it to the second baseman and he's going to first. So that timing will come, you know. And, and only, honestly, I mean, in the Texas game they had one error. In the TCU game they did not have any errors. And then in the Oklahoma State game, they had no errors. So they only had one error the whole weekend. I mean, scored yeah. errors. I mean, so. But, no, that that's what's promising. And then coming up, I mean, like we talked about this last week. You get through this gauntlet of a weekend. Now you've got like a month, February 21st, and then your first uh, SEC series is March 17th. So you've got February uh, you got almost like, I mean, four days passed from being a month from between what you got non-conference and your Auburn series. You got Grambling coming up on Tuesday, so a quick two-day turnaround playing Grambling, and then you got Eastern Illinois coming up on the twenty-fourth, twenty-fifth, and twenty-sixth in Fayetteville. After that, you've got you know Wednesday, Friday, you got Wednesday Illinois State, and then Wright State. Third, fourth, and fifth of March in Fayetteville. You don't leave Fayetteville until March twenty fourth. So listen, right. you want to talk about what we were talking about last week in the football schedule of that four game stretch? You get to play a whole month of baseball at 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 Baum Walker. Now that can be one of them things that it could be good. Or it could be a curse. And, you know, you're getting so complacent of playing at home. By the time you go to LSU, I mean, let, let's see how that all plays out. But, no, it's really good, though, that you get a SEC series before you go to LSU, though. Yeah. And I'm trying to get the Razorback schedule to come up for me. I mean, for I heard the Grambling, how Grambling did this weekend. I'm not really too concerned about them. But Eastern Illinois seems to always be a team that, uh, can can match Arkansas with their intensity. I mean, Arkansas, uh, they haven't played them since, I think, 2020, maybe the 2019 season. Uh, so they're, they're a very talented baseball program. They always, you know, hang around there. And then you've got Illinois State uh, for a midweek game. And you've got Wright State. And you have Army coming to Fayetteville. And then you have Louisiana Tech, which this is a return series because Louisiana Tech played Arkansas in a three-game series down in, uh, down there, I think either last season or the season before last, this is a return trip for, for Louisiana Tech. So I'm really looking forward to seeing them. Arkansas ended up losing that series uh, early on, either last year uh, or the year before that. So be nice for the, to maybe even sweep those guys. Then you've got UNLV and Fayetteville for two-game series, and you open SEC play against Auburn. And even though they don't have uh, their great guy uh, anymore, he's going on to the big leagues. But uh, you've got about a month uh, to, to get ready, get tuned up for uh, SEC play. And, I mean, right now I, I really like the promise that this team has. I think if you give them, give them a little bit, I think they're going to be all right to uh, uh, go into SEC play and probably rattle off maybe that 18 and 12 that, that Cabo thinks that, that Arkansas could do. Or if they do get it, it's going to be tough because you've got road games at Baton Rouge. You've got – uh, you've got Ole Miss there, and then you got Tennessee at home, and it seems like 
and you got Georgia on the road, then you got A&M at home, Mississippi State and Starkville, South Carolina and Fayetteville, Vanderbilt and Nashville to end the season. So you are literally playing almost every single top team in this league coming up this season. It's going to be rough. It's going to be tough. There is going to be a lot of times where you're just thinking and pulling out your hair. It's like, is this Arkansas team going to make it to the NCAA tournament? Of course they are. Uh, they they are they're going to be all right, even if you don't feel like even if they slip up against the team every now and then, it's going to be okay. And so I think Arkansas, I think they're uh, I think they're a good team. And yeah, and the Tennessee they got their kick uh, they got their butt kicked this weekend. And and yeah, it's anytime you can see those guys up there in Knoxville take a butt whoop, and it's uh, it's a good thing to watch, especially with how rowdy those boys get. Yeah, and with Eastern Illinois, they had a three-game set with Florida A&M at Florida A&M, swept them 8-7, and 3-0, and they were in, they were in the Ohio Valley Con, uh, Conference, and they were picked third to finish third right ahead of Little Rock. So they're in the same conference as Little Rock this year, so uh, play, you know, play those guys too. So Southeastern Missouri State is number one Moorhead State, and then Eastern Illinois is coming in. So – I mean, it's going to be one of them teams, you know, that, that's going to come in. You can't take any of them lightly. But, you know, you don't want any of them to take any of them lightly because you're getting ready. That You're using this to fine-tune what you need to get ready for that gauntlet of an SEC schedule. And I know that we say it in every sport, but you can say it in every sport, just how good the SEC is. And it keeps on getting, you know, better and better with every year. Somebody's a surprise team that ends up replacing a team that might not have the best of the year. So, and uh, I, I know Tennessee got beat, but I want to say that there was another Tennessee lost twice. I want to think, yes, they started Owen two. They didn't just get beat once. They got beat twice this weekend. So that's one of them things. Again, listen, we can laugh about it and joke about it now, but we can't take that into play when they come to uh, Fayetteville. In, in April, so yeah, Grambling, uh, they're off to a one and two start this season. Lost to uh, Prairie View A and M seven to five in the Cactus Jack HBCU Classic. Lost to Southern three to four, and then beat Mississippi Valley State fourteen to four. All those games were down in Houston, so I, I don't think they're going to be a great team, but I think they're going to be a team that's going to be good enough has pop on their bats enough that if Arkansas, uh, I mean, isn't, isn't careful, uh, whoever their midweek guy is going to be, I think Arkansas uh, is going to ha- uh, can cannot afford uh, to avoid an upset there, or, or cannot afford to be upset there, especially in a midweek game. And, and we got a few minutes before we uh, go go to break, but I wanted to ask your thoughts on the the new rules, the new clock rules there in baseball. And it seemed to be really, I mean. I like the idea of new rules, but listen, I'm not a fan of calling a guy out on a third strike because of a timing issue, like a 30-second clock. Uh, I don't like oh, that. No. I mean, I, I think there's – I don't know. But then again, when it comes to – I don't know if you if you assess a strike. I mean, I would be assess a strike. Now, if it's a strike two and that you're down to your final thing and that happens – but, and I don't know if that's what happened on that, on that play. I think it was a strike three called. 
on, on the because he took too long in the batter's box, or you know, you can only stand the batter's box so long. But I, I just think that with these thirty second clocks, I understand that they're trying to speed up the game, but speed up the game, but don't change the outcome of a game by a new rule. Right. I, I yeah. just think. I think. I don't like the I don't I don't like I like the clock idea I like the idea of it but I don't like the idea of being able to call strike three on a guy especially in a maybe a crucial moment of a series I don't think I, I don't think I think you're trying to control too much of the beauty of the sport of baseball I know you want to speed up the game and 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 all that but really honestly how many of these games and there's there's ten Razorback games right now that are going to be on national television this season. What impact? I mean, I know you want to maybe speed up the games, and then that way they don't bleed over to the next ones. But look, I mean, you're you're putting too much of the uh, of you know the art of baseball out of it. Uh, but yeah. you know, it's like the I do like the seven inning ten run rule. I don't think that's. I think it's going to speed up a lot of the the midweek games. I think. Uh, you know, especially when you're playing those non-conference games. I mean, I well, think that rule's the only less for conference the games. That, that like rule that. is only for conference games. It's yeah. not. It has nothing to do with those, those midweek games that are non-conference. That does not apply to those. This the SEC. No, it doesn't. No, it, it implements a ten rule run rule for conference games. But that I'm pretty sure only we run because they run rule to Oklahoma State today. Yeah, but that wouldn't have mattered because it, it, this is for a conference game. But what I'm saying yeah. is I'm pretty sure that the coaches have to agree on this. Uh, if okay. I'm wrong, correct me, but I, I'm pretty sure that – and that's like this. Uh, We've we seen an issue in the, the softball world where the, the drop dead, the dead time had, was at 3.30, and the Texas softball coach sat there and stalled the game. Kentucky went up 7-4. to four. And the uh, the Texas softball coach stalled with pitching uh, pitching changes, and on uh, a two out did a uh, pinch runner to stall the game because if it went past three thirty, then it reverts back to the old inning, and it ended up being instead of seven four Kentucky win, it was a four four tie. So wow, so think about that when it comes to yes, it is a rule, but it's like really you know you end on the so my thing is this. I think if you're going to implement a rule, you need to bring it in and let people get used to it. And right. then say like this year, we're going to do it for non-conference games. And then the next year we're going to implement it in the, in the conference where it really matters or the NCAAs or the regionals, because you're throwing a rule into this. Yeah. As much time as you can tell somebody, Hey, you've got 30 seconds, dude, they're going to forget you're in the heat of the moment. Yeah. Say it's three, two, you know, you're looking at where the, the alignment is, where, who you've got up to bat, who's pitching, is a lefty or righty, where you want to go with this shot, and then by the second, by the time you know it, you're 30 seconds up, but strike three, you're out. I mean, I think that's just – I think that's a horrible way to go about and punishing either either or team, you know, when it comes to you're, you're out and you just go sit down. I mean, I just think that takes away from the game. Yeah, I do too. Um, I really think that – you know, the whole – I think I do like the 30-second rule. I think it – I mean, like I said, I think it speeds up everything. But, you know, it's going to – it's these, these things are going to take a while to get through. I think you – I think you have to at least give these these players a grace period because, I mean, you've been doing this this thing the same way for, what, 100 
something years, and then you're going to change it all of a sudden. Expect guys to to uh, to be to to cooperate with it appropriately. I mean, I'm a Baptist. I'm a Christian. I'm a Baptist, and I don't like change. You know, it's hard for Christians and Baptists to sit in in the pews and and we dispute the color of the carpet. Yeah. I mean, and and, and you know. <laughs> But this is, you know, it, it's 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 ways to, you know, you you want change and you and you want to think of ways to to make things different. I think this is good for college baseball, but it's going to take a little bit of getting used to. I, I think it's going to take some trial and error. I don't want a game to come down to to like in the College World Series, and I mean, this is the biggest moment of of the season, and and you get called out because you've you've wasted thirty seconds during the in a college world series game. I mean, I think, uh, I think it's at that point, you've got to give a little bit of grace period. I mean, especially with the way the, the, uh, but the penultimate moment is coming, you know, that's just my thought on it. Well, we're going to go take a uh, commercial break. And after the break, we're going to recap Arkansas's win over Florida. Look at the final remaining uh, games for the season. Look at the sec basketball standings and we'll wrap it up with that. Do you need those pesky stumps ground before the winter? Your pasture brush hog or need your driveway bladed? Here at Grindit Ride Outdoor Services, we offer more than just stump grinding. We have recently expanded our business to include tractor work as well. So along with stump grinding, we offer bush hogging, land clearing, grading driveways, placing, and even spreading gravel. We are locally owned and operated, so call Danny today for a free quote at 205-377-2662 or 479-530-1641. Again, that is 205-377-2662 or 479-530-1641. Shelby Taylor Trucking serves all your timberland needs in South Central Arkansas. With over 50 years in the industry, Shelby Taylor Trucking has established themselves as trustworthy leaders in the industry. From planting to harvesting to hauling your timber, Shelby Taylor Trucking is ready to serve you. Follow them on all social media platforms at Shelby Taylor Trucking. Learn more by visiting their website at staylortrucking.com. That's staylortrucking.com. McCoy Tiger Drug Store of Sheridan, Arkansas has been the top pharmacy in all of South Central Arkansas since 1895. They were also the 2020 Good Neighbor Pharmacy of the Year. They not only fix you up with your prescription with timely and friendly service, but also an elite gift shop. All your OTC needs, baby and wedding registries, tuxedo rentals, and much more. They're located at 821 North Rock Street in Sheridan. Give them a call today at 870-942-5121. Hey, we want to welcome you back to the Hog Talk Podcast and mention our proud sponsor, Arkansas Brewing Company in downtown Ozark, Arkansas. You can find them at 201 South 1st Street in Ozark, Arkansas. If you reach them by phone at 667-2739 to call in your order, they have all sorts of things in there. You get you a flight of beer, you prime rib on Thursday nights, and one of my favorites is the Cajun chicken pasta. They're all having you know, lunchtime specials, nightly specials, music, karaoke night. So if you're ever in the River Valley, want to stop in at Ozark at the Arkansas Brewing Company, go down and see Chris and Destiny Brockett at 201 South 1st Street in Ozark, Arkansas. And as well, we're back in the Amigos Provision Studios, and we'll switch things over to basketball where for the second time this season, 
Arkansas defeats Florida. Um, Well-needed win. I mean, it's weird how the um, the men's and women's teams have sitting there bounced and fed back and forth, back and forth between 500. And they really, really needed this win over Florida. Uh, 80, a convincing win, 84-65 win. So the biggest thing that stuck out to me was how things went in the second half. You, you started out, you was up 37-31 at the half, and you outscored them 47-34 to in the second half. We've seen so many times this year where, look at the South Carolina game. You're up big, think game's over, South Carolina comes back and makes it a game. So for them to be able to, you know, go. they used 11-0 run to take a 30-23 lead and then in the second half, 17-2 run. So you're talking about getting in the prime another game with Nick Smith Jr. back. He's starting to progress, and that's what I'm saying. These people, his first game back, they're like, oh, well, maybe Musselman should have just left him out of the lineup. And, you know, they've been wanting him back for so long, and then he comes back, and they're like, well, he's this. I mean, it's like some of these people you just can't keep happy. We've seen that in all sports with the baseball and you know, they lose to TCU. Oh, my goodness gracious. And, you know, it's just the fact that you look at a game like this. Nick Smith Jr. is finally coming back and getting molded in with these guys. And you have a very convincing win over a welding and over a tough Florida team that you're hard to get wins by is when it comes to Florida. Yeah, you're right. And Arkansas is uh, 15, now 15 and 25 all time against the Florida Gators. Uh, this one was, I mean, Arkansas's third straight victory over the Florida Gators. Uh, this is the first three-game winning streak. And you had to go all the way back to 1996 when Arkansas's won more than two games in a, a consecutive. Florida's, Arkansas's beaten Florida three times now. Arkansas beat Florida five times in a row when they came into the conference back in 1991. Beat him in 92, 93, 94, 95, and 96. So that was that that is something. I mean, I mean, it's telling us uh how far Florida has dropped. Because Florida was unbeatable under Billy Donovan, it seemed like. Arkansas just could not win a game, whether it was at home and yeah, definitely they've only won two games all time at Florida. It's it is hard to win down there in Gainesville. Uh, and it, I mean it is for the rest of the league, but Arkansas's never had the success uh, anywhere else, like or the the lack of success anywhere else, like they've lacked success in Florida. But we didn't have Colin Castleton to really worry about. He was a guy that averaged sixteen point seven rebounds this season. You didn't have to worry about them. But Florida has some pretty good guard play. Uh, they Arkansas just shut them down defense uh, on offense and and really did things to challenge them defensively. Uh, I mean, Makai Mitchell. He, he had a double-double. Uh, I mean, you talk about uh, Jalen Graham. For his deficiencies on defense, he's been a stud offensively the past couple of weeks. And I don't think he gets enough credit. I mean, he did have that 26 points. I think he had like five rebounds. Uh, let me see here. Seven. He had, he had seven rebounds, yeah. actually. So the guy, you know, he came in, and, and, and it's all about matchups, too. Because you, you think about, like, he, why didn't Jalen Graham do this against A&M? Well, A&M has some big bruisers down low. But when you have somebody as athletic and such a mismatch like Jalen Graham was for the guys at Florida, 
I mean, he exposed every single thing, every single flaw that the Gators had. And Eric Musselman was saying, attack it, attack it, attack it. And how many possessions in a row did Jalen Graham get uh, late in that first half and early, uh, in, in there in the second half when he was uh, reinserted, like at the 13-minute mark? How many consecutive trips did Arkansas have down the floor where they gave it to Jalen Graham and he he did he took care of the business? And then that was really encouraging to see. Maybe that uh, keeps him amped up. As they play Georgia, and I think this is another game where you know Georgia's a good defensive team, but can Jalen Graham be that mismatch uh, at, uh, against Georgia on Wednesday night at 8 p.m.? Uh, another uh, SEC Network game, and uh, I mean you have four games left in the in the season in the regular season, and then you take your three game gauntlet, two of them on the road. One of them at home against Kentucky. This is a huge game against uh, for Arkansas against Georgia. Uh, they are, uh, I think. I mean, we said they wanted if the best case scenario was a seven and three record in the final ten games. Right now, they've lost two, one, one, five. Yeah, and so you, know, you get your you got your eyes set here. You beat Georgia, and then you go on the road and take care of maybe one of the two and then beat Kentucky at home, I think you find your way to be a pretty solid seed come March Madness, something we couldn't say just a couple of weeks ago. Well, the biggest thing that stuck out to me, and we, we, we mentioned in the last week's show, you know, you, you start giving Nick Smith Jr. more minutes. Guess what? We're talking about all these minutes that, you know, Anthony Black has been doing and Devontae Davis and Ricky Council. Well, Black had 35 minutes instead of 38 or 40. Ricky Council played 32 instead of 38, 40. Devontae yeah. Davis had 23 instead of that 30. So you're getting guys. And also, another thing, you're looking at how much Anthony Black was being forced to shoot the ball. He only took six attempts. Uh, Jordan Walsh only took four attempts. Nick Smith Jr., again, yes, he went four for 12. But when you're getting in the groove of, you know, coming yep. back in that starting role – he was four for 12, had 10 points, but he was two for two from the free, th- free throw line. Another thing, you know, Ricky Council, he took 10 shots. He was six to 10 for 15 points. And then, again, what we were stated, Jalen Graham, if some of these guys are not hitting, if Nick Smith Jr. is having a rough night, you got a guy that Jalen Graham pops up and hits 26. You know, say Jalen Graham's not having a good game. Devo comes up and hits 20. I mean, you've had the opportunity with these guys that if somebody is coming down, and that's what we were talking about, a big key important part of this team is that's why it was important to get Nick Smith Jr. back because that adds that guy. If somebody's fall, falling off, somebody's there to pick him up. And, again, time will tell. They've got a couple more games left. you got SEC tournament. You know the way things are going. If you say eight and seven, nine and seven, or you – um, get in that um, range, you're going to be okay when it comes to SEC time. We talked about, you know, the fact that you do not want to depend on your SEC tournament to be your um, – you're having to win more games in the SEC tournament to get in the NCAA bit. I mean, that's playing Russian roulette. You do not want to do that. Another thing – that we talked about was, you know, those slow starts. They were 15 for 27, shot 55.6% in the first half, 7 for 8 from the three uh, free throw line, still having that three-point shooting was. We, you know, Nick Smith Jr. is not really that 
big of a three-point threat right now. He went 0 for 4 from the three-point line. So, And then you went 14 for 17 for the game in free throw percentage. That's what wins you these type of games where if you got somebody that's just not producing when it comes to the, the scoring, you're – you're starting to get back. Again, giving guys a five- to eight-minute rest when they're used to playing all the time, if you can give them a three-minute break in the first half, you can stretch their minutes to where they're taking three, four minutes a half off, getting that rhythm going, it's really going to be beneficial because I'm telling you right now, the, the looking at the schedule and what they have, and we're talking about the three games – that are coming up and then the final three games and just how important, you know, Jacob's coming back and um, Jacob, I'll, I'll bring you back in. What I was talking about, we, again, the importance of the win three, if you, you can't rely on those final three games of that season to one where you're having to depend on those wins and SEC wins yeah. to get you that um, – the NCAA tournament bit. So winning that game against Florida, winning that game, you know, that loss against AM really, again, we talked about how that kind of, that's the one that kind of hurts you because now you're sitting at seven and seven. You beat Georgia, that puts you at eight and seven. All right. So that's got you at eight and seven with Alabama, Tennessee, and Kentucky left to play. Tennessee's kind of falling off, but you've got them at Tuesday night. At Knoxville. So, just that eliminates that whole kind of thing. You're talking about Tennessee's playing down because, of course, we, we thought that uh, A&M was, you know, they're ranked, you know, or, and then Mississippi State. You're coming off of two. You come off against Mississippi State, lost that one, and Texas A&M. Two games that you yep. really needed because that puts you pressure on how many games you've got to win to close out the season – before you hit the SEC tournament. Yeah. And I think another thing you got to point out here is, you know, you, you get this game against Georgia and you look at the, you look at the closeness between uh, all these teams from Tennessee to Georgia. There's three games between all those teams. You look at it. This is probably the, the close, the, the best this SEC conference has been in a very long time, as long as far as being deep. Because you look at Vanderbilt, they've won five games in a row. They beat Missouri, they beat Tennessee uh, on, on a last-second buzzer beater. I mean, that's one of the craziest things I've ever seen with Tennessee is losing back-to-back games uh, at the buzzer. And then you go and you beat uh, beat Alabama at home, and then you come out and lay an egg uh, uh, yesterday against Kentucky. I mean, that was, that was just the weirdest thing to me. Like, Tennessee's you know, kind of like Arkansas, like they are really extremely talented on defense, but then on offense, they are they're just not very good. Like they some days they can be in a groove and and just be great with uh with with Vescovi and Ziegler and and just be one of the best teams in the league. And then there's some nights they're just not great at all. Uh, you look at Kentucky, they're not in five. Uh, Auburn eight and six. Vanderbilt eight and six. I mean, who would have thought Vanderbilt? the way that this whole Jerry Stackhouse experiment is gone. And and everybody thought, man, this Arkansas lost to Vanderbilt. This is probably going to be – this is the end of the season. Nothing's going to work out. And then, and then you think about it, you know, Vanderbilt, yeah, they're in the 80 in the net rankings, but 
I mean, they've, I mean, that was not a bad loss as you thought it was earlier in the season. And then uh, the Mississippi State loss, I mean, it isn't end of the world kind of thing because they're still in the bubble being talked about too. So, yeah, you, you've got a couple of chances here to, I don't know, which if you would call it maybe uh, – Making your resume a little bit more, uh, make it make it a little bit more cool. Maybe make it stand out a little bit. But I think Arkansas has got a chance here to close the season out on a good note, and and have the selection committee think, okay, this Arkansas team—they're coming along at the right time. They got their best player back. They've had to fight injuries all year. They've had to fight lineup stuff. It's all about how you finish in the season and in the final 10 games of the regular season and the SEC tournament doesn't really matter uh, unless you're a tournament champion. And right now I think Arkansas, they need, if they win uh, two of the next three, they may get at least a single buy. They won't get the double buy, but they at least get a single buy, which plays into uh, being, uh, not having your, uh, you will have at least one day fresher legs than your opponent. Well, and, and again, you know, just not having to rely on the SEC tournament to to, to yeah. define your bid. You know, that's, yeah. that's what you try to stay away from. I want to show you. All right, so Vanderbilt started off 3-6 and six in the SEC. Yeah. We're talking about this five-game win streak. You, do you know what their last loss was? No, man, I ain't paid attention. 101-44 to 44 against Alabama. They got oh my beat, gosh! They got beat one hundred one to forty four, and then wow. went on a five game win streak. And they go to LSU on the twenty second. So you want to yeah. talk about again? Anything can happen in this league. So basically, pretty much starting off three and six in the season, and Vanderbilt is one spot away from getting a double bye in the SEC tournament. Yeah, I mean, if that doesn't tell you how crazy of a year this is, another thing I wanted to bring up. Really, really important when we talk about the, the Florida win. You're sitting at seven and seven with them. So if you hang around with them, you've got the tiebreaker over them because you got the win. Yeah. Again, with Missouri, you're at seven and seven with Missouri. Vanderbilt's right there at eight and six. So if you or if you get tied with Vanderbilt, they're going to have the tiebreaker over you. Three very right. these, these next games are very, very important when it comes to. I, the Georgia game in Bud Walton Arena is probably one of the – I won't say it's the most important, but it's one of the most important games of this season. Because, again, getting a home win, and then, again, that puts you one game over 500, puts you at eight and seven with Alabama-Tennessee because you got Alabama at Tennessee and then Kentucky. So you can't really – Basically, it, it's crazy because do you want to lose two in a row to Tennessee and then rely on that Kentucky game at home to get you at 500? I mean, that that's going to be tough when it comes to just how important this Georgia game is. Another thing Steve brought up, just those long scoring droughts. When we're talking about where we are at in the season and the tournament play, you go on a long scoring drought in the SEC tournament or the NCAA tournament, you're going to get run out of the court. Again, when we were talking about that 7-10 game, and if you're that 7 seed playing against that 10 seed and they just go on a 15-0 run, there goes your tournament hopes right there. You're not yeah. going to come back from something like that. No. And I'm really, I pulled up the net rankings here too. Not that the net means much, but you've got 
one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight teams in the top 50. Then you have Florida at 53. And then Vanderbilt at 89. So you have 10 teams there in the top 100 of the net rankings. That is just absolutely nuts. Yeah. But yeah, you have the opportunity. Arkansas has the opportunity to win three more quad one games. That'll that'll boost a resume too when it comes to the SEC tournament. I know we can talk about all the stuff on the court, and I think we dissected everything. Every single thing that I think we could dissect this season. Like, it's just been a crazy year basketball wise. You've had to deal with not only Nick Smith, you thought you had everything figured out, and you lose Trevin Brazil. And then you pretty much lose like 70% of your offense. And you had to figure out like what the heck are we going to do now? Because you have your leading scorer in Ricky Council, but Ricky Council wasn't meant to be your leading scorer this season. He was meant to be your second or third guy to depend on. And then you had Devo Davis come up out of nowhere because, I mean, nobody really thought Devo was going to be your scoring option. Now he's got he's a guy that, you know, you can depend on to be like a Stanley Amude or, or another guy that he can be a streaky three-point shooter and make a difference. Uh, but having Nick Smith back is going to be huge for this run. And I know that a lot of people, you know, we're thinking, oh, is Nick Smith going to come back? Is he going to be a distraction for this team? The more time that he gets on the court and playing and and you get into this big stretch, you've got this Georgia game coming up to, uh, on Wednesday night, and then you then you get to go on the road. And this is the prove me time here. Nick Smith has is, is got the chance to go out there and prove to guys that I am the guy, this is my team, and we're we're gonna take March by the horns, and and we're gonna make another deep run. I think Arkansas has that confidence. The 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 way they're able to go out there and beat uh, Florida, even though they were without Castleton, was really impressive to me because the, the the one thing the one thing that we we look all the way back into with Maui during the Maui Invitational is how Arkansas has not been able to close all year especially whether it was on the road or at a neutral site. They had not been able to close a game, even at home. So being able to close against Florida, even when when Arkansas, I mean, Florida was up there for a little while. They were they were going nose-to-nose with Arkansas. But Arkansas's ability to close, can they do it on Wednesday? And can if they do get a 10-point-plus lead against Alabama or a Tennessee at, uh, on the road, are they going to be able to sustain it and win those games. That's what we need to know. I think, Steve, I think I think that's a very, very big uh, point there that Steve May was ending these long-scoring droughts. I think when Nick Smith on the floor, I think you have the ability to do that. Arkansas's really good, too. I've, I've noticed that over the past three weeks is their transition game has been ten times, well, leaps that, and bounds that, better what than what it has when you been bring in another guard. Too. When you, when you bring in another yeah. guard with fresh legs, and, and like I said, when your guys yeah. are playing 35-plus minutes every single game, yeah. you're bringing Nick Smith back in the lineup. Now he's jailed back into the team. He's in the starting rotation. I mean, it's perfect yeah. time. I mean, like I said, and, and you got the Georgia, but that gets him another game full strength because they're really going to need him to step up. Alabama, and, and between him and Anthony Black, Council, Graham, all these yeah. guys. There's gonna they're gonna need two of those five guys, two of the six guys. I, I mean, you can bring Walsh into the to, to, to the mix when it comes yeah. to scores. They're gonna need two of those six guys every one of these games to step up. 
and, and mm-hmm. gets you the amount of points when it comes to beating these teams because you're not gonna have you're not gonna sit there have three guys with 10, 12 points and expect to beat Alabama, Tennessee, or Kentucky. You've got to have somebody get you 18 yeah. to 20, somebody with 17, 18, and really with the free throw shooting, keep them off the boards and and hopefully, hopefully get your three-point shooting intact. Let Nick Smith Jr. get some three-point shots in before the tournament because they're, that could end up being, no, no matter what happens with this team, not having that confident three-point shooter could really be yep. – that could really hurt them in the tournament. Yeah. And now I remember – I will go back to something you said earlier uh, with Nick Smith going four for 12. You remember who's somebody else that didn't really have a very high shooting percentage but shot a lot of stuff last year in the last couple of years? Yep. J.D. Note. This is the kind of system that Musselman likes to have when he has a lead guard, a guard that's – been proving himself that he can score the ball. You get your best scorer back. You let him take alpha shots. You let him take all the shots he wants to because he's proven it. He has a track record that he can score at will. Uh, and, and even though he's not scoring at will right now, he had 10 points on a Saturday night. But the guy showed against Oklahoma when he had 21 points and, and against Greensboro when he had the, the 20 points there. The guy can, the guy can score and he's lethal. Uh, I, I think you give the guy the opportunity to shoot 16 to 20 shots a game. You, you let the offense run through him, and then you have the guys that are physical down low. Like, you, you've got the Mitchell twins who have been absolute bruisers down low. You let those guys work on, on the offensive glass. Even if, I, I don't think you – even though you have Nick Smith take all these shots, I still think Arkansas is very good in the post. And one thing that we haven't mentioned was Arkansas's ability to score in the post. Uh, hogstats.com. Uh, they showed a stat and I retweeted it here uh, last night. I'm going to try to pull that up real quick if you don't mind. But uh, Arkansas scored 52 points uh, in the uh, paint last night. I'm trying to find it here. I'm sorry. It's a little bit... Uh, I can't find where it is. They scored 52 points, which is the most in the SEC or in most Arkansas scored in an SEC game since 2013 and 2014 uh, in a, regu- a regulation SEC game. So uh, they they show that they can bruise down low. Arkansas had like, I think they sh- scored like 48, 49 against LSU. Obviously, it's against these bad teams, but they they do have the ability to to get those second chance points to, to really out-physical those uh, other teams in the conference too. I think that's one thing that Musselman made uh, a point of during the offseason was I'm going to have to get some guys that are going to be some bruisers. Tired of losing to the Baylors and the Dukes of the world because they have more physical men than what I, what I have is what Musselman's thinking. Now he's got that. Now I think, yeah, you can. I, I have more confidence now in Musselman getting it done because he has that alpha score and he has those bruisers down low to get the rebounds and, and be able to put back. Uh, I think you have a more potent uh, paint presence down there. Well, and getting them more minutes too. Get getting them conditioned yeah. to play. You know, Mikhail had twelve. Makai had twenty. I mean, getting you're talking about bruisers, but you you got to be able to have them to where they're not getting gassed, banging down there. Get them in condition to where they're in there. I'm not saying each of them has to have twenty minutes, but if you can get both of them a good twelve to fifteen minutes to where. Their condition, where they're banging with these guys to give the other ones a break, that's going to bode well. Opposed to just throwing them out there, 
yeah, two, three trips down the floor. Now they're gassed, and then they're just starting to get used up because it doesn't matter. You let some guy score on you three, two, three possessions in a row. That whole time that you're out there is kind of meaningless because you let like uh, them extend the lead or them go on a little 4-0 run. You've got to be out there and get their legs. As much as we need to get Nick Smith Jr. in the lineup, you're going to have to keep on getting these guys out there down low and kind of, you know, and on the defensive side of the ball, you know, holding Florida to 37% shooting for the game, 19%, four for 21 from the three-point line. Yeah, they hit 17 of 21 on the free throws, but that holding them to only three threes, when that's been one of the Achilles heels of this team, I mean, it's huge. You need to have more games like these. And this is a team that was above you in the standings. So it ain't like that you're 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 doing this against a lower level opponent. This is something right. that you're you're even with. And so again, that mentality and that motivation. Now, all right, we, we we hang. We can hang with the Florida. All right, let's go take care of business against Georgia. Boost up that confidence. Get Nick Smith some more minutes. Get the Twins more minutes down low. Get them conditioned for tournament time. And and it's it's time to hit high gear now because you don't have that many games left between the regular season SEC and the NCAA tournament left. No, you don't. Uh, no, uh, here's the actual tweet. I knew I pinned it somewhere. Uh, Razorback men's basketball had 52 points in the paint versus Florida on Saturday. It's most in an SEC game in the Muscleman era. Most since the 54 points they scored in an overtime loss to LSU on January 12, 2019. The 52 points uh, by Arkansas on Saturday was in regulation-length SEC game than most they've scored since 2013-2014. So uh, it's been a while since they've been uh, that stout in the paint. But, you know, Arkansas, they, I mean, that's the thing, though. A lot of the season is, you know, they knew they couldn't really depend on a three-point scoring, so they had to figure out ways to – and I know you can't exchange twos for threes, but Arkansas was doing their best to really stay in these games. And that's really the big difference when you think about these losses that they had – Look at these losses that, uh, that Arkansas suffered within one or two possessions mm-hmm. uh, over the past uh, a few months. They they lost by three to LSU on the road. They lost to Auburn, ended up being by 12 points, but Arkansas was in that game. They, they were leading or, yeah, they were tied with Alabama at home uh, with three minutes left before a timeout, Alabama called and Brandon Miller hit three straight threes. Uh, they lost by 13 to Vanderbilt on the road. They lost by three to Missouri, which is a one-possession loss. You think about uh, the one-possession three-point loss to Baylor, and then you lost a two-possession game to Mississippi State because you could not score from the outside. Same thing with Texas A&M. If they could have closed, they would have. They could have won that game on Saturday. Like these one to two possession games, Arkansas just needs to learn to close. I think that is the difference. I think you you think, man, we're going to be okay even without Nick Smith, and now that you have Nick Smith back, what's going to happen? Well, and I think and- that's the big thing here is being able to have the uh, be be able to not make teams play just zone because that's what most of these teams have been throwing out. Maybe a it's not just that two three zone. There's there was times last night where Florida was throwing a two one two zone yeah. against Arkansas, and and Arkansas was having success again. So you're being able to, and that's what Eric Musman wants to do is the space and pace kind of offense, being able to uh, 
to space it out, get your guys uh, sometimes five outs, sometimes four outs. And now you have the ability to knock out more shots because you're spreading the defense out on the floor and you're finding the gaps for Ricky Council and the Jalen Grams and the Jordan Walshes to slash and dash and score the basketball. So this is really going to help Arkansas long-term in the, throughout this rest of the regular season and into the SEC tournament play. And I'm really looking forward to seeing what they can do. Yeah, and, and then again, the three free throw shooting. How much of that's big in these these one to two possession games where yeah. your, your free throw shooting's down, you're shooting 60%, 70%, and now you're not having to foul to chase right. the three for twos, two, you know, exchange two for threes. So you, right. you've got to look at that too. Some of these games just got away from them. But the games, like yep. the Mississippi State game, you look at that Baylor game. You, you know, The Baylor game in general, you know, because you were right there within five and then that – that three that I was talking about that, again, got posted later on. I mean, it it's a catch-22. You want the guy to take the open shot. You can't fault him for, but it's like me in that moment. I wish that he would have kind of just slowed it down, used the shot clock, and and then scored. Because, again, you're, you're not – what are you going to take? You're going to take the three, three that you're shooting 20%, 30% from, or are you going to try a high percentage layup and one foul? Then you got your three points. So – it, it's it, there's a lot of these games the, the the Missouri game another one let's see about getting your your free throws in in line and uh, that can really help you moving forward but again tournament time free throws you know so but this team's team's yeah. in shape you got Nick Smith Jr. back he looks like he's getting better and better as the as the season I know with you know four four regular season games left but. Hey, it's better than nothing, and I can't wait to see his progression and how he really makes a big difference because, Jacob, you know it was just as well as any of one of these Razorback fans that they don't want this season to be that biggest what-if. Man, we could have made a Final Four yeah. if, if he would have played, if he would have been able to, to come back and play the rest of the season. He's back. He's getting in fine shape. So let, let's see what happens and, and hope for a healthy rest of the season. Yeah, I'm ready to see what he can do uh, through these next few weeks. I want him to go out there and prove to these guys that, hey, I am a, in an NBA lottery pick-worthy player, and I think he's going to have the opportunity to do that. If he shows that, I think he can move. I think he's right now sitting between the 6th and the eight and the 10 spot uh, just because of his injury proneness uh, on his knee. But he's going to be able to show his worth uh, right now. Uh, and and I think uh, – in the NBA draft right now, they have somebody that's – I know this is totally off a of Razorback topic, but just saying, like, they have a, uh an international player currently going number one overall. Then they have two G League guys going two and three. And then they have the Brandon uh, Miller kid from Alabama going at number four. And then, like, it's just a jumble up of guys. So, Nick Smith probably could move clearly – clearly move his name back up into the top five there. So, that would be really cool to see. Well, again, they play Georgia Tuesday night, 8 o'clock. It will be on the SEC Network Saturday at Alabama. ESPN or ESPN2 at 1 o'clock on Saturday. They go to Tennessee. You can see that game at ESPN2. And then, of course, the big Sunday, uh, the big Saturday matchup at 1 p.m. on CBS. So all the last four games of the season will be on big network TV. You don't have to stream it, so be looking forward to that. But, Jacob, you got anything else, man? Man, I think I'm good tonight. Guys, thanks for tuning in. Uh, as always, go to our uh, uh, any 
podcast platform you uh, like to listen to us on, give us a uh, subscription there. Uh, hit the notification bell. That way you can go in there and, and whenever we do upload our podcast, you can be able to get us there. Give us a subscribe and uh, and maybe just even give us a review. It doesn't have to be a good one. But that will do it for this episode of the Hog Talk Podcast. We'll be back right here with you tomorrow night, 6 or 6.30 for the weekly women's sports report. I'm Porter Hayes, and we will catch you tomorrow. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.